Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Even as Brian was sharing about our outreach, you know, things are evolving and changing. Originally, we were wanting to do something or the thought was maybe to do some kind of a food donation thing, but there are already a lot of those taking place. And so it seemed like an unnecessary addition to some things that are already available. Even many of the schools, if you guys don't know, are uh, distributing food out uh, for the kids and for the families that you could just go to the schools and pick up some things there. Uh, we talked about getting some cleaning supplies, some you know Clorox wipes and things like that to be able to hand out to the community, but we're not sure that we would be able to get those on a large enough quantity to do that. And so then we thought maybe school supplies, but most schools are meeting online now, and we're not going to get everyone computers. So things keep changing, but we are wanting to do something. So it's on hold. I know a lot of people have emailed and said, we want to be involved, and we do have your names. And as things develop and we know exactly how we can move forward, we will let you know. But it's changing just as things have changed in our life and how things are right now. So uh, maybe you too can be praying about how we can engage the people around us. And maybe it'll be different than us just reaching our local area and community. Maybe it'll be you reaching your neighborhood. Uh, It really doesn't matter where we reach people. It, It matters that we do reach people. And so I hope that you will have that, even as Brian was talking about being connected and staying connected. I I hope that you do that and find ways to extend yourself to people around you in spite of uh, things being the way they are, however they are. You know, I, I really didn't watch the news this week, so I don't know if the world's ended somewhere and I'm not aware of it yet or not, but... Um, it was kind of freeing, and I want to encourage you not necessarily to not watch the news, but maybe not to be so inundated with the current information that it overwhelms you. We talked about this at the beginning, you know, all things in moderation, and that includes uh, social media, it includes uh, the news, these kinds of things, and it includes a lot of other things, food, drink, whatever, right? We want to be useful to our community. And sometimes we can get paralyzed if all we're doing is getting input that is negative and uh, fearful. And so I hope that you guys will uh, 
move forward where you are at in the ways that you can. And I, I'm thankful for the things that I've heard. People are extending themselves to uh, other people. And so keep doing that. God bless you guys for doing that. Well, today we're in Daniel chapter 7. And this is kind of the heart of the book of Daniel. It really is a central theme. It is one of the the books where we see a lot of other areas in Scripture, especially the book of Revelation, uh, quotes some of these things. And we're going to be kind of looking at this chapter in two parts. I was going to try and do it in one, but I don't think I can. And so we're going to take two parts to go through this chapter. But before we do, let's pause and let's pray, especially for my sake. (laughs) Lord, it is our desire as a people who are known by your name to honor that name, to live in harmony with who you are. And by your Holy Spirit, it is my prayer that the things we hear today and the things that we read will move us into a place where we recognize, Lord, our position and your desire, not only for us, but for this world. And I I pray that we shake loose, Lord, the things that would stop us from seeing all that you want us to see, that would keep us from hearing truths that might help us to move forward, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness to work in our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this morning I'm going to talk to you about last day's concerts, political cartoons, Pasadena College, and Revelation. In this chapter, we have some things that take a switch from Chapters 1 through 6, we've got kind of this biography and things happening with Daniel and his friends and uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Darius, and we see in Belshazzar in between just shortly. But we see kind of a little biography of what's happening, and now the book is going to transition into more what's called uh, apocalyptic. And remember, that word just means uh, revealing. It doesn't mean the end of the world. And so... This chapter really is connected to the chapters before, and I hope that we can see that because it helps us understand it in a very helpful way. It starts off in verse 1, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. So right off the bat, we see that this took place before chapter 6, before the lion's den, even before the writing on the wall in chapter 5, when Darius was king. So that's back in chapter, I don't know, between 4 and 5 kind of a time frame that this is taking place. Now, why is it being told now and not in chronological order? Because that's how the writing is. It's not meant to be a chronological order of things. It's meant to be a helping us to see an unveiling of things. And so it's put here because it is actually transitioning the whole of the book. And 
we see now that it's not a dream from someone else. It's actually Daniel's dream. So he's not interpreting this. He's actually disclosing these things, and we'll see that it's actually going to be interpreted for him. Now, it's also similar to some of the things that have happened, especially in chapter 2 with Nebuchadnezzar's dream, where we start seeing that it's dealing with the kingdoms of men and the kingdom of God. You know, when I was younger, I used to go to these concerts, and they would rent out, like, the Anaheim Convention Center, And there would be these bands. This is a poster of one of those concerts. I had this poster on my wall. It's this poster here. I feel like the weather guy. See over here. And I used to go to these concerts and I used to hand out flyers to people to go to these concerts where we have these big name bands that would come and there would be someone who would give a testimony and then there would be this, you know, talk at the end talking about the the last days and the end times. And there would be this, you know, kind of urgent plea that you need to come give your life to Jesus because the rapture's coming and the world's gonna end and the Antichrist is here. And all these things were happening. There was this kind of push for this to happen. And it was a big part of my life. And I know for many of you as well, it was a big part of your life where we see, you know, this idea of the end of the world is happening. Well, we are coming into these passages where we're going to start hearing about some of these things that are prophetically talking about what is going to happen. And we're going to look at how Daniel is seeing them and then explore how we can see them as well. In verse two, it says that Daniel declared... I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heavens were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second beast, one like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it and had 10 horns. I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them Another horn, a little horn, before which three of the first horns were plucked up from the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. What the heck, right? Okay, I mean, you you hear this and it's like, what are these things? What's taking place? What is going on here? And, And... It's important that we understand that these are symbols. 
right? And we're going to see that later on, that there aren't actual beasts that look like this coming out from the sea, that these are descriptive. And we're going to see some of the description that is there later on. You know, a lot of times you'll see political cartoons, right? I made sure not to have any recent ones, not to offend anybody, right? But you always have these political cartoons that are these exaggerations that try and present something. Well, it's similar to that in that Daniel is describing things that were obviously current at his time, where the people uh, would seem bizarre to us, but it is disclosing something that is revealing to them. All these beasts are are empires, right? With descriptions that would most likely have meaning to Daniel and the people at that time, right? Wings plucked off, rulers overthrown, you know, three ribs in its mouth, three kings, you know, uh, four wings, four kings, you know, or, or some levels in these things. And so all these things have meaning regarding these kingdoms and understanding the culture. What's difficult for us is all these years later, without the context, to try and fully understand what they mean. There's something that gets lost in translation when these things happen. Let me give you a sentence. And just for a second, imagine if someone from a different country and a different time period, say even in the future thousands of years, found a a little note. And this is what the note said. The pastor's car was cool. It had flames on it, right? And, And so they go to find out what this sentence means. They get their English lexicon out and they look up the word pastor and it's a spiritual overseer. And they look up the word car and it's a a vehicle on wheels. And they look up the word cool, a a moderately cold, lacking in warmth. And they look up the word flames and it's a state of blazing combustion. And now they have to put this sentence together. A spiritual overseer in his vehicle on wheels had a moderately cold, lacking warmth vehicle that was in a state of blazing combustion. And then put meaning to that. And it'd be like, this seems crazy because they don't know that the word cool also means the word hot, right? It's so much a part of our culture. I remember when I was in junior high school, I made some friends who were from Vietnam and they were unfortunate enough to ask me for help in their English. And so they would come to me and they would ask me, you know, what these terms meant in English. And they would say, hey, what does this, does this mean? And I don't remember what they were asking, but they would say, does this mean that? And I'd say, uh-huh. And they'd say, uh-huh. And i go, what about this? Does this mean that? And I'd say, uh-uh. And they would look at me and they go, uh-huh means yes. Uh Uh-huh means no. I mean, that slight inflection of uh uh-huh and uh uh-uh, it it wasn't noticeable to them. To me, it was obvious. But to them, it was the same thing. And one means yes and one means no. And these are things that are a matter of culture, a matter of understanding. Now, imagine we're reading these things and these descriptions of all these years ago about a time and period where there was a lot of symbolism. And these images mean different things 
and probably more clearly to them than they do to us. Now, it's been a lot of fun for people to kind of go through some of these things to try and figure out what they mean. And and most everyone agrees that this fourth beast that was so different than the others would have been Antiochus Epiphanes during Daniel's time who took over Jerusalem for about three years because of some of the terrible things that he did that were very blasphemous, especially to the Jewish people. And, And it definitely stands out from the rest. And isn't this description, though, that's given of this really something that we've seen in the past chapters? This is the typical arrogant human empire, exalting itself, building great statues, demanding worship. It fits all too many empires, but definitely what we've seen with Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and even Darius We've seen these things over and over again. And every generation has interpreted this to be the empires of their day. And I don't think that that's wrong. I I think there was a specific meaning to Daniel and the empires he was talking about. But for the early Christians, this fourth empire would definitely be that of Rome. Right, And then you go into the Jewish people during World War II, and it would definitely be that of Nazi Germany. right? And some in Russia might say it was Stalin, or it could be Chairman Mao or, or Pol Pot. Right? All these dictators, all these empires, all these powers that were violent and cruel to people that exalted themselves at the expense of those around them. All these kinds of things would stand out. And when I was growing up and going to these last days concerts, what I believed this fourth beast was, was the European Union. And it was said to have 10 nations and that horn that was gonna come up was going to be the Antichrist, right? And I remember being at Pasadena City College at the, I forget what they called this pool in front of it, but we were standing out there and I I had gotten my guitar and I was playing because I was asked to play and kind of draw an attention. And then the pastor was going to give up and give this last day's message to the people that were around there. And it was basically from this kind of passage where, you know, we've got the 10 European Union nations and from there is coming up the Antichrist who's going to come in and then Russia is going to come down into Israel and conquer Israel and try and take it over. And he said, it's going to happen this year. Now, mind you, this was back in the 80s and someone at the college said, you want to bet and I remember the pastor without a hesitation, or he says, how much you want to bet? That's what the guy said to him. And I remember the pastor said, without a hesitation, he said, your soul. And I remember I thought, ooh, right? It was like, oh man, that was so heavy. But here I am thinking about it all these years later. And first of all, he couldn't bet that. And second of all, he would have lost that bet. What does that mean, right? These are the kinds of things that would be troubling because we're trying to take this and and apply it to our understanding. And now there's 27 
nations in the EU. So, okay, that's passed. And, but there's an application still to empires that don't care about people. Again, like Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter two, we see kingdoms and the rule of men, self-serving, power-hungry, using people for their own gain, self-preserving, right? And and self-preservation is a part of really every human institution, including religious ones. But when you get strong empires, it becomes even stronger, this need to survive and to grow and to preserve life the way they want it. And then, like in the king's dream, we see a contrast with the kingdom of God to these kingdoms of men. And imagine this balance. Imagine this scale. Uh, Imagine that one is the kingdom of men up here, and then we're going to get the kingdom of God, and we're going to see the weight distribution that changes. In verse 9, it says, As I looked, thrones were placed And the Ancient of Days took his seat. I love that phrase, the Ancient of Days. And this is a reference to God. His clothing was white as snow and his hair as his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from behind him. A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. Now this has such echoes of the book of Revelation, right? So we know that John took so much from the book of Daniel and in a very similar way is talking about Rome in his time as Daniel is talking about the kingdoms as his time that we can talk about the kingdoms of our time. There, there is application that goes through all these things. And it, there's a, a change that's taking place here from these beasts to this court that's sitting before a judge. Verse 11, I look then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. The change now to this court scene, as we see in verse 10, and the ancient of days who is God, where thousands and ten thousands time ten thousands stand before him. And this is a cosmic judgment scene. 
Daniel and all of scripture is declaring that we live in a a moral universe. Yes, we don't fully understand it. Even as we kind of touched on last week, there are things that are perplexing to us, how atoms work and how things work together. But Daniel is really placing the statement that this is a moral universe with a, a, a God, the ancient of days, who is presiding over it like he would a court and these nations, these empires that rule in these ways that are just awful and how they treat and abuse people that are so consuming are not going to get away scot-free. They're going to be held accountable for their actions. One side, again, the human empires of the world. On the other, we see that of God. And as God is there, the weight tilts and things shift and change. And then we see this figure that comes on the scene, one like a son of man. This is a human figure, one who is now exalted, exonerated, vindicated in this court situation. And in comparison, Right, these kingdoms like Darius in chapter five, they're, they're weighed and found wanting. They're, they're weighed and they're found to be missing what's needed. And, and this phrase, son of man, is one that Jesus took upon himself, the human one. And I started thinking about that, of all the phrases that you could take upon yourself. If you were a person who had this authority. Well, you see all these empires, right? And and they're kings and they're making idols to be worshiped and um, have prayers to themselves. And here comes Jesus. And the title he chooses is Son of Man, the human one. You see, there's an identification that's taking place that though has authority from God, takes relationship with men. There is an understanding of that phrase that he gives or takes to himself. And I think about when Jesus was taken away into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was starving after 40 days of fasting. And the tempter comes up to him and says, if you're the son of God, Take these stones and turn them to bread. And what is Jesus' response? It's not like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't need that. He said, man shall not live by bread alone. He didn't answer the tempter as the son of God. He answered him as the human one. Why? Because there is an identification that is taking place with Jesus that is supposed to take place with us. There is an identification that who he is is like we are supposed to be. And the way he responds isn't in divine power, but it is in human weakness that he overcomes the evil that is there being tempted to him and that is tempting us daily. 
How are we to deal with this? We need the power of God. Well, what is the power of God? It is the humility of the son. It is the human one. I think sometimes we don't understand who we are. And it's not that we have so much power and authority. It's that we have identity with the son of man. Notice in verse nine, the word thrones, plural, is used. What other thrones would there be besides God's throne? Rabbi Akbar in the second century, when asked about this, he replied that there is one throne for God and there is one for David. In other words, for the Messiah, for the king who would come. Now, they thought it was blasphemous that he would even think of another throne with the throne of God or that someone would be seated with that, but that's exactly what the early Christians took hold of, the throne of God and of the Lamb. And somehow they are combined into one kingship, into one God. God is revealed in the ancient of days and God is revealed in the Son of Man. God is revealed in the Almighty Father and he is revealed in the Lamb who was slain. And again, this is all symbolic. It is meant to cause our imaginations to be stirred. No one thought there were actual beasts coming out of the ground when it says, you know, he came out of the seas, this goes way back to an understanding of even Genesis when we see the spirit of God moving upon the waters. And and from there, from this place of chaos, from a place of darkness, God spoke and created life, created light. Even in Exodus, in the Exodus story, we see this idea of seas being one of darkened evil, empires that emerge from this place of evil, that still surround God's world that we still see in our world today. This idea of coming from the seas, coming from chaos, coming from evil. How can we explain the things that happen today, the evils that we see, injustice, whether it be you know human trafficking, whether it be slavery, whether it be abuse, so many things, they're coming from this place of darkness, this chaos and then we have a picture here in Daniel 7 of a new creation just as the spirit of God was moving over the waters in Genesis and began to speak and life was formed and that man was formed and given dominion over creation we have here a new creation the sea does its worst to try and destroy God takes his throne And the one like the human being takes his throne besides him and is again given authority over all people, all nations, all languages, it says. And so when Paul would say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He means that they are part of what God is doing in the world. They are a part of this restoring element. This is not a new revelation. This is one that we find here in Daniel. And that's exactly what it is. There was 
a revelation that took place in my life where I had to move from a place of thinking that God is going to come back and make things right to God is already here and he's making things right through us. Pulling back that curtain to see that we are actually participants in the new creation. And when I am a new creation in Christ, old things have passed away, behold, all things have come new. It doesn't mean that I don't have the same, you know, personality. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm just gonna be able now to go to heaven. What it means is I am a part of this new work of God, that I am no longer numbered in the empire that was bringing chaos. I am now in the courtroom before the father with the human one. And I am standing along besides them. John would tell us in 1 John 4, 17, by living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we. Man shall not live by bread alone. I will not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, God is going to breathe his life in me. I now have purpose. I am now part of this work, this new creation that God is doing. And you see, that's what Daniel is explaining here, that the kingdoms of God are at work even in this place. And, and, and it feels like we are on the losing side. It feels like the kingdoms of man are powerful. And you can throw in whatever government you want. You know, I remember thinking, okay, it's Russia. The Russians probably thought it was us. Maybe it's China. It does not matter what empire you are putting in this slot here. What matters is what is God doing in spite of all these things? Because he is saying they are all going to come down and there are thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands that are a part of this kingdom that are working and don't have names. They are the human ones. They are the ones who are in the image of God, who bear that image in their lives and change the world, just like Daniel did in his time we can do in our time just like jesus did we are to do and it was an overwhelming thought that came to my mind when i moved from this position of oh end times waiting for things to come to an end to end times i am in the work of god now And instead of looking for the end, I am looking for God and how I can be a part of this work he is doing because that is what's being handed to us. That is what we are being invited to. The new life that God is calling us to is the life that Christ lived. See, the king belongs to the people. 
the people of God. And we will see next week as we go on, it talks about that directly. And so let's not lose the point in all the illustrations. Let's not focus on all the beasts and who they were. Let's focus on the message that Daniel is conveying to us in his time. At the time of the Christians during Roman Empire, to the time of the Jews during the Nazi regime, during the time of those who were taken captive by Stalin, or you name the tyrant, you name the empire, you name the atrocities, there is a remnant running through that. It is the human ones, the ones who have image in God who are there in God's creation, bringing about the truth that these injustices will not go unanswered. And all these beasts that have existed and that do exist will not go unchecked. That I have confidence, I have faith that in spite of how difficult it is, God is in the middle of it working powerfully. These are such strange times. How exciting is it for us to hold on to this hope, to hold on to this truth, to have a reality of what God is still doing in the midst of this. Boy, how can we give this away? Suicides are up. People are are frantic and fearful. And I know that. I felt that too. I, I still struggle with some of the anxiety. I, I still struggle with trying to, to please all the voices that I'm hearing. And I hear God's voice saying, really, you have a purpose. It isn't to please people. It is to live for me in the midst of whatever place you find yourself whatever culture you are in the culture is not what's important it is what god is doing in that culture and he wants to use us so the challenge now is on us how do we live like this what are we going to do how can we bring christ into our circumstances wherever you're at are you at work and everyone's frantic and freaking out and and blaming and and hostile how can you bring Christ into that? Are, are you in, in a, a situation where the, the political tension is so heightened and it's ex- kind of developing and getting hotter and hotter? How can you bring the peace of God into that? It's kind of interesting. Last Tuesday, Tuesday night, Karina and I got in an argument. I forget what she did wrong, um, but <laughs> we got in an argument Tuesday night and Wednesday morning in a meditative prayer it would just happen to be blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. And as I'm there sitting there, you know, just focusing on that, I'm just thinking, oh man, I did not make peace with my wife. Maybe that's happening in your place of work. Maybe it's happening in your family. Maybe making peace needs to happen in some circumstance of your life. How do we bring the kingdom of God into the reality that we find ourselves in, whatever empire it is. It doesn't matter if you live in the United States, if you live in Russia, if you live in China. 
We are part of this courtroom of God. And we need to be represented in this way because we are part of the human one, Christ himself, who has redeemed us from the wickedness that we find all around us. How can we be the light of the world? That's our desire. Let's lean into that. Let's pray. Father, it's so overwhelming to try and figure out what all these little details mean. And God, even as I was looking at this, I would get caught up and trying to get all the nuances to the point where I miss the message. And I pray, God, that wouldn't happen in our lives, that we wouldn't get so focused on details that we miss purpose, that we wouldn't get so caught up on the trivial things that we lose sight of what really matters, the priority for our lives as your followers, Jesus, to to represent you, to live like you, to, to be as you, to have the confidence that As you are, we are. We don't fear the judgment because we are with you. We are in you. We live like you. And if that tears at us, if that brings a sense of discord within our soul... Maybe there's change that needs to take place. Maybe we aren't living like you as we should. And if that is the case, Lord, I I pray we would make the conscious decision to change. And by the strength of your spirit, may that change take place and take root. And I pray, Lord, if there is anyone who is listening or or watching, hearing, and find themselves at a place that is on the wrong side of this courtroom and desire to come into the place where they are in line with you, your desire, that they would do so. That they would turn, repent, and make a choice. I want to live as Christ. I want to follow the way of God and not the way of myself. I do not want to set myself up as king. I do want to set myself up as the one who gets what they want, does what they want at the expense of others. I I don't want to take the position that these that have been so powerful have taken that will be brought to nothing. I want to take on the position of the human one, the son of man, who though being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be with God, but emptied himself and became a servant, humbling himself even to the death of the cross. Lord, if we are going to aspire, may it be to be like that, to be like you. Lord, you are our hope. We hold on to you in spite of what kingdoms rise, what kingdoms fall. 
in spite of what happens in the future, what is happening now, we yield ourselves to you and want to be a part of your work. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a lot of people in our community going through uh, various things. We want to keep in prayer uh, Beth and her mom. Uh, We want to keep in prayer uh, Lauren Barrera, who found out that her mom, they found a mass on her pancreas. Uh, We want to keep uh, Brian's wife, Alex, in prayer, who just lost her grandfather yesterday. And I know there's more that I don't know of. These are ones that I do know of. And so we live at a time where these things are important. And I encourage you to be praying for these people, to extend love however you can to those who you know who are able to do these things. The kingdom of God is among us. It it is near. It, It shows up in our love one towards another. It shows up in how... We care about these, the least of these. I know there's a lot of things on our radar. I know that there are the global things with the virus, the pandemic. There are the political things. There are the uh, economic things. There are jobs. There are so many things. But there always has to be the people who matter through all the other things. And I pray that we would extend ourselves to those who are around us so that the love of God can be seen in us. And may the love of God dwell in your hearts richly through Jesus Christ so that you are able to do the work that needs to be done. God bless you guys. We love you. We miss you. Keep us in prayer. We are doing things to try and move forward and hopefully be able to meet again soon in some way. Love you guys. God bless. Thanks for being with us. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.